One of the things that's just really stirring in my heart this morning, and I'm just going to go there, uh, and then I'll get into um, what we shared last week. We talked about Romans, I mean, we talked about, yeah, Romans 14, 17, and uh, hopefully you're familiar with it by now, but it's, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And as we were uh, in worship, there's a couple of things that the, the Lord really began to speak to my heart. We, we've talked quite a bit today about joy. And this talks about the kingdom of God is righteousness, is peace, and joy. So I believe with all my heart that those characteristics should summarize our life. They should be evident and seen in our lives, righteousness, peace, and joy. And I want you to understand, as I've been pressing into this, the enemy's been pressing in. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. As I've been saying, God, I understand that this is what my life should look like. This should be full of your righteousness because it's your righteousness that saved me, of your peace, and no matter what I'm going through, your peace, and of your joy. And the enemy doesn't like that. He doesn't like that when we start looking like Jesus, he has a problem with that. And I think it gets his attention. So this past week has been a very interesting week. It's been physically tiring. It's been emotionally and spiritually tiring because of the things. I'm saying, Jesus, if this is what we're supposed to look like, then I should carry that mantle. It's not a, a job I have to do or something I have to do so that you love me. You said this is what's been released into me. The kingdom. Jesus came and he brought a kingdom. He established a kingdom. We started, it says in, uh, in Matthew, he, when he asked him how to pray, he said, verse 10, your kingdom come. And that word come means appear and grow. Your will be done. And that means you come into existence. I believe Jesus initiated that when he hung on the cross and he said, it's finished. He established his kingdom, his spiritual kingdom on the earth. And he said, from this point forward, it should start looking more and more like my kingdom through you. Amen. Amen. And so as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about this. The kingdom is not eat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Where? In the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said in John, it's imperative that I go away so the Comforter, so Holy Spirit can come. Because you'll never walk into all that he's called you to apart from Holy Spirit. So if we try to do it carnally, if we try to do it with intellect, that we'll know God. We'll learn enough scriptures to know God. And I've seen it happen. I've seen people get derailed. And, and they get to the place where they say they're ever seeking knowledge but never coming to the knowledge of truth. Jesus even said, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. But they point to me and you reject me. So what are you saying? I'm saying we can be such an intellectual pursuit that our mind disengages from our spirit and we lose where we are. And that's, it, it may sound spiritual, but it's just carnal. Because what we're leaning into is our ability to understand God. Let me tell you, you can't. I uh, go back to John. One of my life verses, y'all know John 10.10, 10 is uh, uh, um, Hebrews 13.8 is my life verse. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever changed my life. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that they would have life and have it more abundantly. The others where, Jesus, where John wrote, he said, I suppose if everything that Jesus said and did were written down, the world itself couldn't contain the volumes. So if we think my study of the Scripture is going to allow me to know God and know everything about Him, you've deceived yourself. The only way you're going to know Him is by the Spirit. 
because his spirit bears witness with our spirit. So is intellect bad? No, it's not. But if you're leaning into intellect, and that's why he said in Proverbs, don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and what? He will direct your path. I love Proverbs 8. Uh, Nanette spoke of wisdom kissing Bob Jones on the head. If you read Proverbs 8, you understand. It, it talks about, I was there when you created the world. I was there. I, I loved fellowshipping with man. It's amazing. So if we feel or we get to the place where we think, I can intellectually understand God, you've already believed a lie. Because he's bigger than your mind. Does that mean we just give up and we just act the fool? Absolutely not. I'm not saying the mind is useless, but I'm saying it's not, the, it's not good to be your leader. Your spirit better be your leader. Amen. He said, your kingdom come, your kingdom appear and grow. That's literally what the word come means, appear and grow. That's what he told his disciples, pray for this. I believe when Jesus died on the cross and he resurrected, not just on the cross, but his resurrection, because this says in Romans, his resurrection proved our justification. That's what established the kingdom. Amen. I'm stirred up. Uh, if you haven't noticed, I'm, I'm stirred up. Your will be done. Your will come into existence. So what he's saying is that we have a part to play in that happening. Jesus finished his work. He paid the ultimate sacrifice on the cross. And he said, now I've given tag, you're it. And you won't do it apart from the Holy Spirit. Because that's what it says. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So as I was praying about that, his kingdom coming in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The Lord began to speak to my heart, and he said this. So it's safe to say, your righteousness come, appear, and grow in my spirit. The righteousness of God. Every day, we should be growing in righteousness. Not growing for righteousness so that we can be accepted, but we should be growing in righteousness. What do you mean by that? That's where he said, walk out your own salvation with fear, with reverence and awe and, and uh, trembling. What does he mean? He's placed in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And it's our walking it out every day, expressing what he looks like through our lives. That I live righteously and I, I address situations righteously. That's the privilege that I have as a believer. So every day, his righteousness should be growing and appearing in, from my spirit man. Every day, I should look more like Jesus. Your peace come, appear, and grow in my soul. What's your soul? Your mind, will, and emotions. We are bombarded with emotions through, through TV ads through you know it's no secret my my wife loves Hallmark the Hallmark channel we we declare I, and I like the commercials on Hallmark channel just because it causes us to declare the health of the Lord over us because every commercial's got something to do with some kind of sickness and disease and some medicine they've come out with to help you and then you read the side effects and they kill you So the commercial will come on and my wife will go, thank you, Jesus. And I'll say that by the stripes, by your stripes, we are healed. Every, you know what? It's a constant, instead of going, man, that'd be, it'd stink to have that. We just thank the Lord for his righteousness. We thank the Lord for his healing, his power that's working on the inside of us. So we take those moments to take a praise break. 
and just thank Him for who He is. It's amazing that the commercials, and the commercials will kill you. They'll get you in doubt and unbelief, and you'll have, you might have just stepped the wrong way or something, and have a little twinge in your back, and the commercial come on, you think you're dying. If you have this, 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 or this, then this medicine can help you. And at the end of it, you got the guy talking real fast like this, this is a side effect, this is what it'll do to your body. You ever notice that the commercial's real slow, but he says, the side of it, see your physician. What? Because there's so many. Uh, anyway. Peace, come, appear, grow in my soul. So that means there's something I get to do to partner with God. He's placed these things on the inside of me, in my spirit being, Romans 12, 1 and 2, that I'm not conformed to this world, but I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind that I might prove. And that word prove means put on display. It doesn't mean I have to prove myself to God. It means I put on display what he's placed on the inside of me. That's working out my salvation so that others around me should see the reality of Jesus in me. It should be evident the reality of Jesus that lives in my spirit should be seen without me having to preach it to everybody and tell them how they're missing it. The joy, his joy should come, appear, and grow in my life. I should be able to, to walk in the joy of the Lord no matter what's going on externally. I should be able to know that his joy, and that joy is not just, just hang on till Jesus comes to get us joy. No. The word joy, it literally means this, cheerfulness, Calm delight, gladness, exceedingly joyful, a state of joy and gladness. As a matter of fact, when you read, when you study this uh, word in the Hebrew, when it talks about the joy of the Lord and that word joy, it's gladness, it's rejoicing, all those things are attached to joy. You know, when I was in Bible college, they said joy. You know, the acronym for joy is Jesus, others, and then yourself. That's how you walk in joy. You put Jesus first, then others, and then yourself. And you'll have joy. And joy was just this ability to cope till the end. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the joy, his life, his expectancy be birthed out of us into the situation around us. We should bring hope in hopeless situations just because of who we are. Because the joy of the Lord is in us and the joy of the Lord is our strength. So as I was thinking of all this, and we were, uh, a passage that just came to me, uh, um, because in our foundations, one of the things that we talk about is eternal life. The first thing that we talk about is eternal life, and how that people have reduced eternal life as I get to go to heaven, but that's not what it says. John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life, that you would know the Father and Him who He sent. So what is eternal life? Eternal life is not knowing about God. It's walking in an intimate relationship with God. That's eternal life. That doesn't start when you get to heaven. That starts right now. So eternal life that God desires for us to walk in is an intimate relationship with the Father. And that comes through the person of Holy Spirit because of the finished work of Jesus. So we can, we can enter into that relationship and eternal life is not what we get one day, it's what we can walk in right now. And the passage that just stirs in me because when I was in Bible college, they taught us Romans Road. Anybody heard Romans Road? Romans 3.10, 3.23, 6.23, 5.8, 10.9, 10, and 13. 
Write those down and go home and look them up and you can get saved. <laughs> Romans 3.10, 3.23. 3.23 is the one that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's a true statement. But it's taken out of context for what's going on in the verse. And that's what I want us to share because it's, I, was, I was fully equipped that today to come in and just give you scriptures on, uh, again, touch up on righteousness and then on peace and then on joy. And the Lord said, nope, you're not doing that. We're going to go back to whose righteousness it is. And then we're going to talk about how the peace and the joy happens. And you can see that in John 15. You can see that in John 14, John 15, and 1 John 4. So we're going to look at those. Don't get nervous. Wow, we're going to have to do it really fast. But I, I have to start here in uh, Romans chapter 3. And I was stirred at this because um, I was studying the joy of the Lord, and I was reading in Nehemiah, and when Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is your strength, if you look at what's in context there, Nehemiah, they had found the scriptures, and you know, what did Nehemiah do? He rebuilt the wall, right? You with me? So, but before that, they, had, they found the scriptures, and Ezra stood up, and he began to read the law, and as he did, the people began to weep because they had been without it so long. So don't hear law, hear the word of the Lord. The people had been so long without the word of the Lord, and, and that's why the wall fell in the first place. Amen. So they had been so long, with that. so when Ezra stood and he began to read, the people began to weep. And, and Nehemiah says, don't weep. Don't weep. It's not a day of mourning. It's a day of rejoicing because we have the word of the Lord. And in that context is when he said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. But they were, they stood. When Ezra began to read the word, everyone just stood up. Because of the weightiness of the word. And I go, Father, may it be again. Not in reverence of man, but in reverence of you, that when we hear your word, that we're just undone. Because it represents who you are. Not an intellectual pursuit to know about God, but to know him. It's an invitation into him. Romans 3, verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under law, that every mouth may, may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. So what was the purpose of the law? It's real clear right here. It wasn't to make you righteous. It was to make you guilty. So that every mouth could be stopped. There's none righteous, no, not one, apart from him. It's his righteousness. He says that every mouth may be stopped, the world may be guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So he's telling us right here in this discourse what the law was for. It was so you could understand your sin. It's not so that you'd be condemned in sin, but you would see that you are not good enough to make it there. But verse 21, don't you love the buts in the Bible? Can't believe the preacher said that from the pulpit. He loves butts in the Bible. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Schoolhouse rock. Come on, somebody. My generation, holla. 
But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Listen to this. I love this. I love it. To all and on all who believe. To all and upon all who believe. Not all who do right, not all who act right, not all who never make a mistake, but the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. To all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's a true statement, but it's not the whole statement. Verse 24, listen. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, who God set forth as a propitiation, that's a payment by his blood, through faith to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So he's just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So that must be our foundation, that my righteousness is in him. It's founded in him upon his finished work. And I love that he says this, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And you know, when I was in school, they said, this is the good news. We got to go out and share the good news. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm like, I'm, I'm not connecting the dots how that's good news. And then we would go to Romans 5, 8, but God commends his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why did we skip over verse 24? being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, who God set forth as the payment by his blood. The payment for our sin was the blood of Jesus, a sinless one hung on the cross for our sin. That, that in itself should give us a praise break. Uh, one of the pastors that we pray with, I may have mentioned this, I don't remember, so it, it bears repeating. One of the pastors that we pray with every week said that he's just made a habit of every time he hears the name of the Lord, when someone says Lord or God or whatever, that he takes a moment and just meditates on who the Lord is to him. He said, I don't care if someone does it in vain or how they do it. They just say, oh, Lord or oh, God or whatever. He said, I take a moment there to be conscious of who God is to me. Come on, that's what, that's what I'm looking for right there. It's exactly what I'm looking for right there. Whoa. Yeah. I'm telling you, just to be conscious of him. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Whoa. Yay. Oh. <laughs> okay, I'm back. Uh. So it's in meditating on these things and, and just looking in the Word. I want to go to um, John 15. We'll go to 14. Verse 25, John 14, 25. These things I have spoken to you while pre- being present with you, but the Helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said. Verse 27. This is Jesus speaking. 
Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say, I'm going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said, I'm going to the Father. For my Father is greater than I, and now I have told you before it comes, that when it come, does come to pass, you may believe. I will, no longer, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. But, the world, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. Then he goes right into teaching in verse 15, chapter 15, verse 1. He says this, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, it, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. I just want to challenge you in something. And this right here, I've heard it taught many different ways. But if you study this word takes away in the Greek, what are, literally, it doesn't mean he takes away. It means he lifts up. Every vine that's not bearing fruit, he lifts up. You ever seen a vine, a tomato vine or something like that? When they start growing, what do they do? They have to do what? Stake them up. Because they're down on the ground, they're not going to grow. They're going to die, wither and die. So they have to stake them up. He literally says, those that aren't doing right, I'm going to lift them up. That's a good word right there. Um, I'm going to go to verse 5. Uh, verse 3, you're already clean because the word which I have spoken to you abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me in, and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Verse, uh, verse 9, I'm going to jump down to verse 9. As the Father has loved me, I've also, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love is no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do whatever I command you. He said, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things I have heard of my Father I have made known to you. So Jesus here, he's talking about us abiding in him. And he's talking about that as we abide in him, his joy was released in us. And this word abide, <clears throat> the, uh, it's the present active indicative form of the verb in the, in the Greek. And that means it is happening contemporaneously, continuously, beginning now and continuing. That's present. It's active. Uh, it means that we have a part to play in it. And the word indicative, it literally means it's a fact. So we buy, abide in him, present, active. In him. I have something to do with it. It's going on right now, and it's a fact. So as a fact... If I abide in him, as I stay connected to him, his life is released in me and through me. And that's what produces joy. Not what's going on out here, but my intimate connection with the Father is what produces joy in my life. And it produces the fruit of joy that others can partake of. So I can walk in, the, in a relationship with him that my life is producing the fruit of joy. That when I walk in others, around others who need joy... They can partake of my fruit. 
And what happens in that place is this. It's not that I'm giving, 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 and I'm giving out. It's that I'm connected, so the life that's coming through me is just going out. And the more that I give out, the more I have room for. So we're not looking at I'm being spent. What we're looking at is I'm being expanded. When I'm connected to the vine, I'm not being spent. I'm being expanded. Write that down, Abby, and you put it on Facebook. I saw your face. When I'm connected to the vine, I'm not being spent. I'm being expanded. Why? So that I can bear more fruit. So that the joy of the Lord that's in me can be manifested through me to those around me. In 14, he said this. He talked about his peace. He said, I'm not giving you peace like the world gives. The peace that the world gives, it comes and it goes. It's based on situation and circumstance. He said, the peace that I give, it supersedes all of that. And no matter what you're going through, it doesn't change who I am. Right? Right. The peace that passes all understanding will keep our minds. It will guard our minds in Christ Jesus. So, uh, one other passage of Scripture. 1 John. I want to see. We're going to be in chapter 4. I want to see where I want to start. Verse 4 says, You are of God, little children, have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I didn't say it. He's saying, Grandma used to say the proof of the pudding's in the eating. He said, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. What did John say? Jesus said, if you keep my commandments, you abide in me. What was his commandment? That you love one another. That's what he said in John 15, that you love one another. Not that you devour one another or tear one another down, but that you love one another. That you love the unlovely. That you love one another. He said, this is the fruit of a life that's abiding in me. They'll know us by our love. Now, love doesn't mean we become a doormat and we get walked over because sometimes love tells you the truth when you don't want to hear the truth. That's what it says, that we speak the truth in love. And sometimes we want to speak the truth, but we don't want any love attached to it because we're just mad. Wow. The difference maker is when it's seasoned with and carried by love. When you know that my heart for you is not because I'm over you trying to condemn or corral you, but because my heart is to love you and for you to be everything God wants you to be. So when I come, I don't come from here speaking down. I come from here speaking to you so that you, I can speak heart to heart so that you can grow and be free. That's what love does. <clears throat> he said, <clears throat> for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. 
Beloved, y'all remember, any of remember this? Let us love one another. I just went blank. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows, knoweth God. That's the way we learned it. It was the old King James Version. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. He who does not love, verse 8, does not know God, for God is love. Verse 9, I love, 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 love. Verse 9, in this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love, that God loved us so much that he sent his only son into the world, not just so we could go to heaven, but so that we could live through him. <laughs> well, my life is just not where it needs to. I just don't have joy. I just don't have. We need to be living through Him. Somewhere we've lost focus. This is love. This is love. So I want to have a row right here. They'd be baptized. And this is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent. So if someone says, I just don't feel loved, well, the problem is you're feeling instead of knowing. I just feel if God loved me, this would be going, that would be going. No, this is how the love of God is manifested. That while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And that God loved us so much, he took the, the treasure of heaven and deposited it in the earth for us. Unless a corn of wheat fall in the ground and die, it abides alone. But when it dies, it brings forth much fruit. Jesus taught that, talking about what was coming. He said, there's so much life in me, but it has to be planted so that it can be life in you, so that you can be attached to the vine. The love of God was manifested that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. So where's our life? Where's our life to be lived from and through him? That we might live through him. And this is love. Listen, I'm drawing it to a close. And this is love. He's saying, I want you to understand what love is. Okay, that's, that's what this is, terminology is. Here's what love really is. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. This is love. In case, you're just, in case you're confused about what love is, it's not an emotion you share between someone else and that you can be deprived of or something like this. He said, this is love. Not that how much we love God, but that he loved us so much. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the payment for our sin. So if you ever feel unloved, just go to the cross. The greatest love symbol in the world is the cross. Because it demonstrates that love costs God his treasure, his joy, his everything. And that Jesus, it says that Jesus in Hebrews, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He knew that what he was doing was going to bring us back into relationship with the Father. Not get us to heaven, but get heaven into us. 
Wow. Thank you, Caitlin. They would get heaven into us so that we could walk as sons and daughters on the earth. And he said, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. So the kingdom of God is not, is not eating and drinking. It's not all the stuff that we have. This week I was in, one morning I was in prayer and um, I get up early to spend time with the Lord and there are times that I do more sleeping and soaking. You call it soaking. Spiritual people call it soaking. I'm just going to soak before the Lord. You took a nap. Sometimes there is soaking in the presence of the Lord. I'm just kidding. There is a, a soaking. <clears throat> anyway, I'd been physically tired, and, and I was there, and I was spending time with the Lord, and I said, well, I'm just going to kneel in front of the couch and lean up against the couch and pray. And my spirit said, no, you're not. You're going to lay over across the couch and go to sleep is what you're going to do. And I said, well, Lord, you know it's true. <laughs> So I said, no, I'm not going to do it. So I got up. I was so tired, I, my eyes were crossed. But I said, I'm going to walk and pray. So I began to walk through my house and just pray. And after a couple of laps through my house, I got back to the kitchen. And I, and, uh, I just stopped. And the presence of the Lord started ministering in my heart. And I looked at my kitchen. And I said, Father, I thank you for our kitchen. I thank you for the joy that we have in, in our kitchen, the food that we enjoy, the time that we enjoy in the kitchen. But this room will not be the Lord of my, my life. So I walked from there into the den, and our TV's there, our couches, our comfortable couches are there. And I said, Lord, I thank you for this room. I thank you for the time we spend here with family and with friends, that we can enjoy you. And thank you for Hallmark. And um, <laughs> that's for you, babe. <clears throat> I just thank the Lord for that room and, and the significance that that room has in my life. And I said, but I thank you, Lord, that this is not my source, that it's you. And I walked into our guest bedrooms, and I prayed in each one of them. I thank you, Lord, for the family that we're able to have to stay in these rooms to spend time with us and how important they are to us and how we get to give and receive love from them. But my life is not built around these rooms. And I walked to our bedroom, and Tina was asleep in the bed. And I said, Lord, I thank you for my wife, and I love her, and I thank you for our, our bedroom as a place of a retreat for us. We have a little sweet we can close the door and my office is there our bedroom is there and my Jesus room is there and I just thank the Lord for our bedroom that where we can have rest I thank him for the peace that resides in our home I thank him for the office and everything he's provided and given us wisdom to lead and stuff but then I walked into my son room that's my Jesus room and I said this is where I build my life this room not because of how it's constructed, but because of what takes place here. This is what my life is going to be founded on. My time with you. My time with you. Where I get to know your heart. Experience your heart. And I challenge you today. Thank God for what you have. Thank God for what you have. You don't have to begr be begrudging about, oh, well, I got this, I got that. Thank God for it. But don't let it be your God. Thank Him for the, what you're able to do with the things that you have, but that they all give you an opportunity just to know Him more. Because as we set our gaze upon Him, as, as John, I was amazed at how many times the word abide, the Greek word 
abide is used in John's gospel. It's used more in John's gospel and in First John, the epistles of First uh, John epistles, than any other of the books together. Because John had an understanding of what it was to be connected to the Father. So it's from that place of connection, of intimacy with Him, that righteousness, peace, and joy flow out of us. Because we won't be entangled with the things of the world. We'll walk in communion and union with Him, and His love and His life will flow from us. So then we'll be able to love the unlovely. We'll be able to love the ones that haven't loved us back because we're not needing their love to make us feel fulfilled because we're connected to the vine. And so what I'm doing is I'm not spent being spent, I'm being expanded. So if you've got people in your life right now that are difficult, you know what you can do? Today, just let's stand up. So if you've got people in your life right now that are difficult, what we're going to do is just take a moment to thank God for the opportunity for His love and His life to be expanded in us. My attention is not going to be on those that make it difficult to me. My attention is going to be on His capacity to love me. And this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and gave His Son to be the payment for our sin. Amen? So we're just going to be quiet a minute and just get before the Lord. If there's been a person to you that's just been difficult... We're just going to thank you, Father, right now that what you're doing is expanding our heart to love like you love. Because, Jesus, you hung on the cross alone. Those that you had poured your life into for three years had run in fear. One that said he would die even denied you. And you look from that place of agony and pain because of the joy that was set before you. You endured that pain and you said, Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. Lord, your heart grew uh, towards them to where the others could hear it so that their hearts could be repentant and turn towards you and your goodness. You didn't curse them on the cross. You forgave them. So, Lord, I thank you for the opportunities before me for your heart and your love to be expanded in me. That, Jesus, that what I see in your life and how you lived and moved and did upon the earth is what is given to me because you said that we live through you. That's eternal life is knowing you and living in you and through you. So, Father, I thank you for the times of ministry we've had this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to bless our communities. I thank you for the time of worship and even now the, to worship around your word. Thank you, Jesus. Those words seem empty or not empty as much as insignificant or, or lacking to express our gratitude for what you've done for us. That you're alive and moving in our lives right now. Thank you that we're connected to you and that in you we live and move and have our being. We bless you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And I want to challenge you, if you're here and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to come uh, and do that today.
that's when we begin to walk in communion with him. And if you have a relationship with Jesus and there's things or, or habits or situations or circumstances that have come between you and him that have uh, caused hurts and offenses by someone or even towards the Lord because he's pricked your heart about something, you've just walked in rebellion. Man, I encourage you to lay that down today. Receive his love because it's his love that heals. It's his love that delivers. It's his love that frees so that we can truly walk in his righteousness manifested in us and through us, his peace and his joy. Amen.